guess who's back? Paul and the Alfred. Okay, Paul runs in the span. We're gonna get shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run! Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for all and the Alfred. song in all of the league. The worst fight song of all the league. Nine times. Nine times. This is dating back now to when I went to Bowling Green. When most of us that sometimes most of my fans and most of my friends that listen to this podcast nine times. This game was, in the words of Lee Corso, closer than the experts think until the end of the game. Everyone, everyone was shocked. Including myself. I was absolutely shocked about this game. But in typical Mike Jenks fashion, and in typical Bowling Green fashion, three, three, the number three, three times they had the football to take the lead, and they couldn't. Get the job done! They couldn't get the job done! I was so hesitant to not do this show because I knew we were going to be talking about this game leading it off. 
but we are. But hey, Ohio State won. Michigan won. And upset galore happening this week in college football. I was looking yesterday afternoon up in the sky to see if there was a comet coming. Not the Fort Wayne Comets. Because both the Browns and the Lions won on a Sunday together. The Jackets struggle at their home opener. And the Cleveland Indians have been eliminated from the playoffs. This is a special edition of All ADL for tonight. A special Monday night edition. Not cue the Monday Night Football theme song. Because the UT fight song is going to be sung later in this program. And you are listening to me on the Anchor Network. Whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now. Wherever you're listening to me tonight, however you're listening to me. Thank you for tuning into this program tonight. And I love you guys. I'm not going to give you the I love you guys tonight because you know why. So I'm your host, Andy Alford, welcoming you to the show this evening. A lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're going to recap the NHL from this past weekend, the Jackets' struggles. We'll talk about the end for the Tribe, as well as a couple Andy rants to get into today. But you can always be a part of the show by following me on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlford. It is at AllAndyAlford. So welcome into the program tonight. And we're just going to leave right off with it. And um, uh, some of you saw the Facebook Live show. I, I really appreciate the comments. Um, it was closer than experts think. I will say that. To me, this game was a tale of two games. Three-fourths of this game showed how Bowling Green got up for this football game. They got up for it. They absolutely got up for this game. They were competitive. They stayed with it. They were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You know, Andrew Clare, a breakout game. We'll talk about that here in a second. Jared Deggie having a great game, too. He also, for the Rockets, you have Peters having a great game coming in from Agani that's out with the concussion. You had Seymour having a good game. And you had Cody Thompson just... Killing the Rockets. Killing the Falcons, excuse me. Just absolutely killing the Falcons. But let's let's dive into it, okay? And I'm going to talk about it step by step, okay? Because I was there at the Glass Bowl on Saturday afternoon as the Battle of I-75, the demanding of the tiebreaker game, as both teams were 39, 39, and 4 going into tonight, into Saturday's play at the Glass Bowl. And, you know, it started off BG winning the toss, deferring to the second half. I heard, I saw that. I said, you know what? All right, let's see what this defense, let's see if the defense has improved. And sure enough, it was the same Bowling Green defense that showed up seven, six plays, 71 yards right down the field, and UT was up 7 to nothing. Daigie comes out for his first series. They go three and out, punt the football, 
bad punts. A uh, bad play. They drive it down the field. Kick a field goal. It's 10-0. Okay. Second possession, Andrew Clare takes the field. Has a great outrun. Fumbles the football. Recovered by Toledo. They score on the next on their on their next drive at 17 nothing and I said they this is I told Lucas that was right next to me I said to him this drive this final drive this drive right here for Bowling Green they have to put points on the board they have to score and they did they got 7 points on the board in the game they got it they got it back a great play by Scotty Miller on the sidelines, a big 34-yard return, 34-yard catch. Bowling Green was in business. They score into the end zone, and it was, you know, it was 17-7. They go out for the next possession. Toledo goes out for the next possession, a three and out. BG get the football back. They go down the field. Andrew Clare scoring a touchdown makes it then 17-14. That's as close as it was all game. UT would score. BG would score. UT would kick a field goal. BG kicked a, tried to kick a field goal. It was a block field goal. Block punt in this game, too, as well. Bowling Green's special team's defense was not there. They were not there to protect both the kickers for both the on the field goal kick and on the punt. At halftime of this game, of this game, it was 31 to 8 28. 31 28. And that score sticked all the way. It sticked all the way till seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. BG had. Three opportunities to put points on the board, to get seven points, to get a touchdown, to get the lead, and to take the lead, and they went three and out. A bad bad break, a misplay, three and out. A a negated hands of the face, negated, negated a first down. And then the legal forward pass. And I'm going to say this again. I will say, I said this to my friend Tom today. I will say it again. The pass interference call that was called on that play as well. That happened before the forward pass happened. That should have been a pass interference. Should have negated the illegal forward pass. Should have negated it. He was all over him. All over him. And then, in typical BG fashion, three-play drive, and UT gets on the board, and it was a touchdown. I said, okay, they've got to get some points here. They've got to go down and score. They go for it on fourth down, and they fail, and they score. They they turn it over on downs, give it to beat UT, and UT three plays another th- four plays later, excuse me, 
goes down the field and scores again. You look at this line. It was a close game all the way through. BG scored late. Missed the extra point. But in the end, the University of Toledo wins this game 52-36. to Nine straight times, the University of Toledo has beaten the Bowling Green State University Falcons. It'll be a turn of the cen- it'll be a century before the next the, when they win. If they win again next year, it will be ten years. That will be a century, a full ten years since two thousand nine. That was the last time UT. The last time two thousand eight was the last time BG won. The I-75 rivalry. Deggie, a great game. 18 for 34. 289. Three touchdowns, no INTs. I gave him credit on that. He didn't throw any INTs. Andrew Clare, 12 carries for 118 yards. Had two breakout run games, including a long 61-yard touchdown run. He also catched five catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. Hargrove, five carries for 21 yards. Scotty Miller, three catches for 75 yards, one TD. Quentin Moore, three catches for 21 yards, one TD in the game. For Peters in Toledo, he was 17 for 35, 184, three touchdowns, no INTs in the game. Seymour, 18 touches for 101 yards. Kovac, 11 touches, 90 yards, three touchdowns in the game. Cody Thompson, six catches for 78 yards, one TD. And Johnson, three catches for... For 26 yards, one TD in the game. Here's here's the full breakdown. We're giving you actually the full breakdown in this game. BG had 20 first downs to Toledo's 24. On third down, BG was 5 for 12. Toledo 7 for 14. Toledo 0 for, uh, Bowling Green 0 for 1 on the fourth down conversion. Toledo 2 for 3. Total yards. BG outgained them in run in yards 481 to 472. That's not bad. A great outing for them. But they, like I said, 472 yards they gave up. 184 in the air, 288 on the ground for Toledo. For BG, it was 289 in the air, 192 on the ground. Penalties, 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 penalties killed Bowling Green in this game. 14 penalties for 129 yards. Toledo, 10 penalties for 79 yards. The one turnover in the game from Andrew Clare. Toledo led in possessions 33 minutes and 16 seconds. BG 26-44. This game, and I, I give credit to the UT fans. It was a great outing. Uh, the fans were in in good spirits. I mean, I was around the tailgate lots. I was in lot 10. I saw my friend Tom. He invited me over to his tailgate. I had a couple pops. Enjoyed that. Uh, a nice sandwich. Met up with Lucas. We went into the stadium. Had great seats. I was two sections away from the student section, and I and I will get to my Andy Ranson just a little uh, in a little bit in this program, and that's going to be my feature in this. But um, the student section was in full force. I mean, the stadium was packed, and there was a good cr- contingent of Bowling Green fans there. The section on the, on the other side was full BG, but there was a lot of orange sprinkled throughout the stadium, in on our side of the stadium. So it was um, it was good to see um, Bowling Green represented and this was a game that you know 
a lot of us needed. And this is a game. This is a this is a team that struggles, and is continuing to struggle. And it's it's just worrisome. This is absolutely worrisome because of the fact that Bowling Green is now halfway through its season. We have a total of six games left to go. He has to win five of six to save his job, and he's not going to get it. He's got Western Michigan this week, and then he's at Ohio. Then we start playing midweek games at home to play Kent State, on the road to the Chippewas, on the road to Akron, and they end the season at home against Buffalo. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. I really don't see it happen more and more, more and more and more and more. I don't see it happening. But Jenks is going to survive this. I really don't. And this is um, this is coming from a fan that just is absolutely done with it. I'm absolutely done with this. Uh, he should have been fired after this UT game. In all re- in all respects, he should have been gone after this game. And he- here's the biggest thing. Okay? After the Ohio game, it's a bye. They got a bye. Until the 30th. So the following week is a bye. You mean to tell me that they're not going to make any moves at that time? I would love to see a move happen. It has to be done. You'll hear it in this press conference here in just a little bit. That I'm going to air. Of course, with this being a Monday edition of the program, you're going to get his fresh take from Monday's press conference. You, I just listened to it for the first time. Um, took a lot out of it, took a lot of information about it, and I'll, I'll share my feelings about that here in just a second. But, um, yeah, you'll listen to his demeanor about this, pro- about this program and everything like that. And then, um, you'll just, it's, it's, it's worth listening to. So here it is. Here's the head coach of our Bowling Green State University Falcons, Mike Jenks. Uh, they didn't have, uh, we don't have the audio from Saturday's press conference, after the game, but we do have the Monday presser for you. Like always, every Tuesday edition of the program, we play the Monday press conference. But tonight, with it being Monday, we'll give you the fresh take. Here is Mike Jenks at the podium from this week, courtesy of uh, YouTube and the Bowling Green Athletic Department. Mike, you talked about after the game that you wanted to keep these guys believing. Mm-hmm. How do you keep morale at a point where you can play your best football in the second half? Well, we, we keep doing what we're doing, you know, and, and the thing that we talked about on Sunday uh, as, as a football family is that, you know, uh, before you win, there's some, sometimes there's some things that got to take place, and, and, and you've got to have winning effort, and you, you've got to have, the, you have to be resilient, and you have to learn, you know, just, just to keep your head afloat um, when you go through those tough times. I, I thought Saturday was indicative of that. I mean, all the, the outside noise and everything that was going on uh, last week and to get down to 17 kind of the way we did in the way that we did, um, that was a perfect time for uh, a football team to fold and said, you know what, uh, we can't do this. And, uh, you know, they didn't. They didn't. They, they, uh, they were resilient. They found a way to continue the battle, and they made it a heck of a football game. You've seen bits and pieces of things that you liked over the course of the past couple of games. 
How close do you think this team is to becoming a 60-minute football team? Uh, we, we're getting better, and, and you can kind of see it from an offensive and, and a defensive standpoint. Uh, I really thought defensively, um, the Miami game, you started to see that, that these guys were starting to figure some things out. I thought especially on the back end aggression on the, of the secondary being in the right places and, and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, Georgia Tech, that was a tough ball game. and, and uh, um, you know, what they do is a tough challenge to get ready for in a short week. Uh, and then this week, you know, we came out, I thought they played confident, I thought they played aggressive. Um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, we got a pass rush a little bit uh, well, for the first time kind of all year long. Um, you know, we've got to clean some things up from a penalty standpoint, but at, yet at the same time, I want those guys to continue to be aggressive and attack like that because that's kind of what our identity is from a, from a defensive standpoint. Uh, and then um, offensively, um, you know, uh, Andrew hadn't fumbled all year long. It's the first fumble of a back we've had all year. Kid made a great play on it. Um, I thought that we stayed within ourselves. We stayed with the game plan. Um, you know, the thing about guys football is, 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 you know, the importance of every single play. Because there were three times in that fourth quarter where it's 31-28 and we've got the football. Um, on one series, we've got Scotty on one and we miss him by a couple inches. You know, was it holding or not? I don't know. Um, the next series, we go and Jared makes a great play out of the pocket. He hits Q across the middle. We get a hand to the face. That's self-inflicted. And then, you know, the next one where the uh, legal forward passed, you know, well, you know that, that's part of football. There were plays, uh, um, there were calls made by the officials for both teams that didn't go their way. But any one of those plays, any one of those single plays that's hit, um, you know, the game may take it may take a completely different turn. So uh, um, definitely uh, you can see progress. I've, I've seen it all along. I know we're a better football team. I know things are moving in the right direction. Um, you know, we've been, we've been struck by the injury bug just like everybody else in our conference, and that shows to some of our depth. I mean, we, we are continuing to, to, to improve and continuing to play quality football. Um, you know, and that's, that's uh, and I think they, most importantly, they see that and they notice that. You know, and I think that's key. So that allows us to continue to come out and uh, play with great We talked last week about you guys have been able to get up for the Toledo game, mm -hmm. and you did it once again. How can you make that translate when it's not the rivalry game this week or it's not the rivalry game? Jordan, that's a good question. That's a good question. And, and uh, again, we talked about what winning looks like. Um, you know, when, when we came off the sidelines last week, I saw offensive linemen high-fiving the defense. You know what I mean? And when Andrew makes a big run and the defense is up on the sideline, they're, they're patting him on the head. There was a different energy and, and an offense for defense, defense for offense, everybody playing together as one. And that's what good teams do. That's what championship teams do. When I talk about learning how to win and what winning looks like, those are some of the things that we pointed out. And I believe in my heart, if they play with that type of passion for one another for the remainder of the year, uh, who knows what can happen. I wanted to ask you, um, there was an article written in the paper last week and some boosters took, anonymous boosters took shots at you. What was your reaction? I felt like you had, a, you deserve a chance to defend yourself. What was your reaction when you read that and when you saw that? You know, I'm not really going to get into any, into any of that, but I, I will say this, okay? Um, it's unfair. It ain't unfair to me. This is college football. That, that's, that's, that's part of this business. It's unfair to those student athletes. It's unfair to this university. It's unfair to this program. Because what those type of things do, they affect your recruiting. You know what I mean? And we're talking about the outside noise eliminating and giving these kids the opportunity to compete at the highest level. You know, my concern, my angst, for lack of a better word, was for our kids. It's unfair to them. 
you know. So, um, you know, really not going to get into it very much because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, I've got a job to do, and I will continue to do that job. I will make sure that we play football the right way. I will make sure that we're, we're building and leading young men. I will make sure that uh, everybody in this facility is having a dang good time doing it. Talking about the game, special teams is obviously an issue. Um, yeah. I guess, well, for, I guess starting the, with the puck game, I mean, that, that's obviously been a concern. Um, is there any thought to, I'm not really going to get any of that into any of that right now. It is an open competition, okay? Uh, as far as all that goes, and then as far as the block punt, the block punt was on the shield, uh, um, the three-man shield there. It was a, it was a mistake um, made there. Um, you know, we've had some in, inconsistencies, and you know, um, we'll address them. Uh, we'll address them appropriately. But again, we're a team. Yeah, we're 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 a team. I mean, there were several instances that. Um, Several plays that I pointed out earlier that could have been made that everybody forgets about all that, um, and we, we didn't we didn't make those plays. But uh, uh, we'll address what needs to be addressed. But uh, really, right now, not ready to talk too much about that. That's okay. What's it take, I guess, in the, in the kick return game to get kind of things going? Because you guys haven't been able to. Yeah, we have. We haven't. We haven't. We haven't popped one there. Um, you know, I, I think it's. Uh, I, one of the issues that, that we're running into right now from a special team, a special team standpoint is the injuries because um, it, it, it's two things. Now, you want to put your best players you possibly can out there, but we, you know, we're down numbers from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, of course, those defensive players are your best special teams players. So do you put all of them out there and, and, and do you take the chance of getting worn down in the fourth quarter? Or do you give some of these young kids a chance? And when you give these young kids a chance and they're playing some of their first football, um, they're going to make mistakes. So that's something that we'll have to continue to uh, to work through. You had uh, Pudu was playing really well. He was playing his best yeah. football here. And it looks like he's not going to be able to come back. How much does that? Now, that that's, that's, that's a big one. Uh, and, and for him, and kind of like you said, he was really playing uh, really good football. Very proud of Derek. He, he's really worked, uh, you know, his tail off to, to put himself in, a, in an opportunity to, to, to be playing at a high level. Um, so uh, um, looks like he we won't be having him for the remainder of the year. And and really, our thoughts and prayers are uh, with him and his family. We see some uh, changes reflected on the offense line on the, on the two deep. I mean, mm -hmm. is that going to remain that the case going forward? Uh, for the next next week, next week or so, just because you know we've got a couple of guys uh, that are out. So um, those changes were, were, were more so uh, because of those reasons. Did you find anything offensively in terms of some of the misdirection stuff you guys were able to hit on last week? Did you start to find maybe an identity of what this team has to be? No, uh, no, um, I, I don't think so, Nick. Uh, I think um, the, the thing that we've done a pretty good job over on the last, uh, even Georgia Tech, was taking what the, the defense allows and gives you. Um, as that game went on last week in the first drive, the first series, they did a really good job. They came down at three down front. They dropped eight. They played coverage. I did not expect it. Um, you know, so we've had two plays that aren't waste plays, but they got underneath. They almost picked the jet. You know, they did a good job of scheming us up. The thing that I was excited about is that we went to the, the sidelines and said, okay, here's what they're doing. Here's what we're going to change. Here's what we're going to run at this point. And then you look up. And at halftime, we've got 310 yards of offense. Might have been the highest we've had all season and a half. So 
the growth that we're talking about. I mean, you know, we're coming out, we're going to attack this way. They're not going to allow us to do these things. Let's go back in our system. Here's what we're going to go do, and here's what we're going to go run. And they went out and they executed it. You talked about being more involved in play calling and things like that. What went into the decision there, and, and how much how much were you involved, and how much more will you be involved? Well, I'll continue to be involved. I think, um, you know, to be honest with you, in the, in the fourth quarter of the, the Miami game, I, I felt like that uh, – uh, I don't know. We just needed a, a spark a little bit, and, and sometimes when, 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 um, yeah, I, um, we needed to play a little bit faster, and we needed to change the tempo at that point. And it's easier for me to do um, from the sidelines. We can get in and out of formations, and then from that point, uh, that's kind of been the direction that we're going. Um, you know, uh, we got two guys up there. One is a pass game coordinator. One's a run game coordinator. They give great input. I think it just uh, allows us to play at a little bit different um, pace. And at the same time, last week, it, it allows for me as a head coach to say, okay, you know what, it's 17 to nothing right now. Um, I've given my defense two short fields. I'm about to run the ball six times in a row, and there's no way in the world we're going to throw another pass until they've got at least two or three minutes of rest, and it takes the stress off those guys. So um, it will continue. It will it'll, it'll continue to go that way. You mentioned trying to get some of the young players some more time, coach, in um, the second half of the season here. What's the message to the team moving forward? A lot of football still to play, a lot of goals they can still A ton, ton of football left to play. A ton of football left to play, and, and you know, all they've got to go do is look at everybody's record in the mat. You know, uh, there's a lot of parity there. And you look at the teams that are remaining on the schedule, all quality football teams, but none any more talent than, than anybody that we've played. So uh, we continue to grow. Um, um, and we continue to stay together as a football team and a football family. Um, you know, like I said, who knows what can happen at the end of the season. You like having homecoming right after a big rivalry game like this where you can get the kids back up for a big game this time? I, I do. I do. It's the last Saturday game that, that, that we'll have at home. Um, you know, and, you know, Western Michigan, what, what, MAC champions, what, two years ago? Two years removed, and, and, and we had Toledo last week. So that's where we want to be. Uh, we want to be MAC champions again, and in order to get there, you got to these are the guys you got to go beat, and, and so we're excited about it. It won't it won't be tough to get them pumped up again. That was Mike Jenks, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons, in his Monday presser on All Andy Alford. So you just heard Mike Jenks in his press conference right there. Um, yeah, Derek Budabom out for the rest of the year. With a uh, with a broken leg, he is going to be out for the rest of this season. It's a tough break for this kid. He's he's one of my favorites and um, out for the rest of the year. He took a big hit. He was uh, he didn't put that much weight on it when he got pop after he got popped. Um, huge hit. It's a full media timeout. What happened? Out for the rest of the year. You know. One of the key receiving cores in this team. One of the key receiving cores in this team. And to have him go out now is just, I don't know, it's just horrendous. And it, it, some some parts of his P article, some of his press conference was was understandable, you know. The piece I have to say about is the his comment about not making a comment about the Dave Briggs piece. You know, you have to come out and say what you want to say on this. 
I know you're you're testing the waters. You're not trying to say something that's going to get you in trouble. But at the same time, you need to say something to challenge the boosters and to challenge the, the do-gooders and to challenge like people like me that's not just you know challenging you as a coach but challenging you as you know as the face of this friend, a face of this college this face of this of, of this football team you know uh Deggy having a great game may mention of that as well in this press conference um and like I said like I said they had opportunity after opportunity to get this game under their belt and to win this football game, and they couldn't get the job done. And he said it again. He's going to take over the offensive offensive scheme. And or do you have a running back coach that's calling the plays? You have a passing coach that's calling the plays, and then it's you that makes the call on what play you're running. That's not a good idea. That's not a good idea. Do it all yourself, Mike. Do it all yourself. Take care of the offense. You were an offensive coordinator at your previous job. You can do it again. If you want to save your job, you've got to win five out of the next six games. And it doesn't look easy because you're playing Western Michigan for homecoming this weekend. It's a big game. This is a big game. This is going to show all the boosters how bad you are. All those that were not watching this Toledo game, couldn't get it because of the ESPN Plus, are going to now come back to Bowling Green for homecoming, and they're going to see how terrible this team is. It's sad to say. It's absolutely sad to say. And, you know, I, I, I like the guy. He's a nice guy. He does a lot for the community. He does a lot for the for the players. He, they, he treats them with respect and everything like that. But it, it's time. It honestly is time. And you know, I called for his job after the Georgia Tech game. I gave him, I gave him this game against Toledo. You know, and you know his team stood up. And I was, I gave him credit on that. I will give the team credit for that. But it was a team effort. It was a team effort that did it. It wasn't him. It was the team. And he was the master of the, of the puppet. And he couldn't get the job done because he couldn't get the play calling right. So I give him. I put the credit on him for not getting the W against Toledo. I definitely give it on that. This guy is by far one of the worst coaches. Worst coaches. Greg Brandon was a better coach than he is. And that's saying a lot. When you're 6-26, and 26, Hugh Jackson has a better winning percentage than you have. Your winning percentage is a 3.75. Hugh Jackson is a 3.95. The Browns have more wins than the Falcons. Hell, I think the Browns could probably beat the Falcons. Now they played like Alabama. Oh, no, Alabama would blow them out of the water. Play it simple. Newsworthy note to pass along. I found out today Bowling Green's going to do a home and home against Iowa State. Matt Campbell, former UT coach. Well, isn't that interesting? Wouldn't it be interesting if Iowa State played 
Toledo instead. Campbell versus Can- Candle. That would be fantastic to see. But not going to happen. We'll see, though. Like I said, Western this weekend. And for the ninth time in this history of this show, I did this. I did this back in my days when I was at uh, WFAL Falcon Radio in in uh, Bowling Green, Ohio. When I did did all Andy Alfred there, I have done it on the YouTube show. I have done it now on. I did it on the Mixcloud show. I've done it on this network and on this chant. I've done this on this show for nine consecutive times for eight consecutive times this will be the ninth time that i will do it i will do it twice now and at the end of the show so if you missed it earlier so here it is uh i'm gonna sing the ut fight song because like i made the guarantee if bowling green ever did win against toledo the bg fight song will be playing throughout the podcast but since bg has lost again the ninth straight time the ut fight song will go on on this program you of toledo will fight for you you of Toledo, we love gold and blue. Man of the varsity, the enemy must yield. We'll fight just like our ancestors and march right down the field. Because the band has to sing here. I just... I... It's a nice fight song. I give it I give it credit on that. It's a good song. Oh, right down the field. Like they did. You of Toledo will fight for you. Fight, fight, fight you. Toledo, we love gold and blue. Let's go, blue men of the varsity. The enemy must yield. We'll fight just like our ancestors and march right down the field. And they go like this. And they shout, T O L D O, Toledo. God, nine straight times I have had to sing this song and I am sick and tired of it. Nine straight times and I am sick and tired of it. Do your job, administration, and get the coach that we need to get the job done. Find the right man for the job. (sighs) But there was other college football games to be played. 
we'll dive into that here in just a second. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program this evening. So you just heard me sing that song. So let's dive into the rest of the college football spectrum. How about Ohio State getting the big win at home? At homecoming for them against Indiana, 49-26. to uh, Derek Haskins, 33 for 44. 455 yards of total passing. Six touchdowns, two INTs. He also carried the football seven times for seven yards. J.K. Dobbins, 26 carries for 82 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, for Indiana, Ramsey, 26 for 49. 322 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs. He also t- carried the football ten times. For 10 yards, no TDs in the game. Scott, 9 carries, 64 yards, no TDs. Westbrook, 5 catches for 109 yards, 1 TD in the game. Hendershot, 1 catch, 32 yards, 1 TD in the game. Campbell, 9 catches for 192 yards, 2 TDs. Dixon, 5 catches for 73 yards, 1 TD for Ohio State. McLaren, 9 catch, 4 catches for 59 yards, 2 TDs in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Ohio State had 33 first downs. To Indiana's 22. They had 609 yards of total offense to Indiana's 406, 455 through the air, 154 on the ground for Ohio State, 322, 84 for Indiana. Ohio State had nine penalties for 82 yards, three turnovers in the game for Ohio State. That's that's a little bit of a shock for me. Indiana, three penalties for 35 yards, two turnovers in the game. So Ohio State moves on. They put they get ready for a game next week. I forget who their their opponent is going to be this week. I have to look that up here in just a second. But uh, Michigan getting the win over Maryland, forty two to twenty one. Patterson nineteen for twenty seven, two eighty two, three touchdowns, one interception in the game. KJ Hill five catches five. For 10 for Maryland, 62 yards, one no touchdowns, one INT in the game. Paying five carries for 63 yards, one TD in the game. For for Michigan, it was hidden. 25 carries for 103 yards, no touchdowns in the game. Turner for Maryland, two catches, 30 yards. T. Fleek Davis, one catch, 19 yards, no touchdowns in the game. For Michigan, it was Guthrie, seven catches for 112 yards, no touchdowns. Nick Collins, 51 Yards catching on one attempt, no touchdowns in the game. Breakdown looks like this. Michigan had 24 first down plays to Maryland's 11. 465 in total yards, 294 through the air, 171 on the ground. For Maryland, 220 yards of total offense, 73 through the air, 147 on the ground. They had 12 penalties for 107 yards. Michigan, 6 penalties for 52 yards, and both teams Turned it over one time. Other scores around the Mid-American Conference, top 25, and Big Ten looks like this. Northwestern pulls the upset and beats Michigan State 29-19. That was a shocker in in East Lansing. And now Michigan State heads to Penn State this week at 3.30 kickoff on ABC. Illinois, 38-17 winners over Rutgers. Iowa was a winner, 48-31 over Minnesota. That was a shock for me. I had Minnesota in that game. Wisconsin a winner, 41-24 over Nebraska. Uh, Central Michigan loses to Buffalo, 34-24. Eastern Michigan loses to Western Michigan, 27-24. Western now heads into Bowling Green. Eastern hosts the Midnight Blue and Gold of Toledo. 
Ball State loses to NIU 24-16. Ohio gets the win over Kent State 27-26. Akron loses 41-17 to Miami of Ohio. Number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide continue to roll tide through as they win 65-31. Kansas a winner, a loser to West Virginia 38-22. In the Red River shootout, it was Texas beating Oklahoma on a game-winning field goal with seven seconds left to go of the game, and they win 48-45 in the Cotton Bowl. That's a little bit of a shock. In my opinion, I had Oklahoma in that game. 23rd-ranked NC State beats Boston College 28-23. It was LSU getting beat in the swamp 27-19 over the Gators. Oklahoma State loses to Iowa State 48-42. Fourth-ranked Clemson destroying Wake Forest and Dave Clawson 63-3. It was Florida State coming, losing losing to Miami-Florida in a rivalry game at Hollywood Stadium in South Beach 28-27. At one point, FSU was up 27-7 in that football game. 28 to 7, and they couldn't get the job done. Unbelievable. 28 to 7. And they and they let Miami come roaring back. Colorado wins 28-21. Kentucky loses to Texas AM in overtime 20 to 14. I think Kentucky's gonna finally go back into the regular helm. Uh, it was UCF a winner 48 to 20 over SMU. Georgia, second rank of the country, beats Vanderbilt 41 to 13. Auburn loses to Mississippi State. Eighth-ranked Auburn loses to Mississippi State 23-9. It was Washington a winner 31-24 over UCLA. And how about Notre Dame going into Virginia Tech and beating the Hokies 45-23. And in my opinion, sets up Notre Dame to be one of the top four teams in the college football playoff, in my opinion. And then Utah Beating Stanford 40-21. to Top 25 looks like this. Alabama at number one. Georgia 2. Ohio State 3. Clemson 4. Notre Dame now goes to 5. West Virginia 6. Washington 7. Penn State 8. Texas is ninth. Central Florida is 10. Oklahoma 11. Michigan 12. LSU falls to 13. From 5 to 13. That's a big drop. Because Florida moves up from 20, from 22nd all the way up to 14. Wisconsin 15, Miami 16, Oregon is now 17, Kentucky now goes to 18, Colorado 19, NC State 20, Auburn 21st, Texas A&M 22nd, U.S. Uh, Southern Florida is now 23rd, Mississippi State 24th, and now Cincinnati, the Bearcats, Taron Brands Bearcats are now 25th ranked in the country at a perfect 6-0. and So congratulations to them. As you are listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now let's dive into more of the gridiron, and let's dive into the NFL and find out if a comet actually hit the Earth. So, how about this? I had to look outside to make sure that there wasn't a comet hitting the Earth because... Yesterday, for the first time in a long time, I had to look back in the record books. It has been since 2004, since the Browns and the Lions 
one on the same day. 04 was the last time it has happened. And the Lions getting a huge win. We'll start with the Lions first as they beat the Green Bay Packers 31 to 23. Aaron Rodgers having a good game, but he was struggling. 32 for 52, 442 through the air, three touchdowns, no INTs. He also ran the ball three times for 10 yards in the game. Jones, seven carries for 40 yards, no touchdowns in the game. Adams, nine carry catches for 140 yards, one touchdown. Valdez, seven catches for 60 yards, one TD in the game. Matthew Stafford, a gem of a game for him, 14 of 26, 183 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs in the game. Johnson, 12 carries for 70 yards, no touchdowns in the game. Marvin Jones, Jr., one catch, eight yards, one TD. Kevin Galloway, four catches, 98 yards, one TD in the game. Looking at the stat, the rest of the stats in this game, uh, Green Bay had 30 first downs to Detroit's 18. On third down, Green Bay was 3 for 10. Detroit, 5 for 13. Green Bay, a perfect 2 for 2 on fourth down. Detroit did not go for anything on fourth down. Total plays, Green Bay had 76 plays. To Detroit's 57. They had 521 yards of total offense to the Lions, 264. 423 through the air, 98 on the ground for Green Bay. 170 on the in the air for the Lions, 94 on the ground. That shows you a lot right there. Green Bay, 12 penalties for 112 yards. Detroit, 8 penalties for 71 yards and 3 turnovers in the game. Aaron Rodgers is the new Ben Roethlisberger. Sign him up for Arby's. He's making all the turnovers, I'll tell you that much. So the Lions getting a big win, getting back off the schneid, and getting a big win and beating the Packers. Helps out the Bears case right there for you, Nick. I'll tell you that much. But how about the Browns getting the touchdown, missing the extra point, and then... So it ends up tied, go to overtime, and a lot of people on social media was saying, oh, this is going to be the second tie for the Browns this year. Isn't this going to be just fantastic? The Browns are going to have another tie this year, and they didn't. They finished the job. Gordon with the extra kick. He wins it for the Browns, and the Browns win in overtime 12-9. to Baker Mayfield, 25 for 43, 342 through the year, one touchdown, one INT. He also ran the ball for 23 time, 23 yards, two attempts. Joe Flacco, a bad game for him, 29 for 56. He had 298 yards total offense, one touch, no IN, no touchdowns, one INT. Collins, 52 catch, uh, 12 attempts. For 59 yards, Michael Carabtree, 6 catches for 66 yards, no touchdowns. Brown, 4 catches for 58 yards, no touchdowns. Carlos Hyde, 17 carries for 63 yards, no touchdowns. Javaris Landry, 5 catches, 69 yards, no touchdowns. Higgins was the only one, 3 catches, 66 yards, the 1 TD. Breakdown looks like this. Baltimore had 25 first downs to Cleveland's 20 on third down. Baltimore was 4 for 16, Cleveland 6 for 19. Baltimore was 1-for-1 one one on 4th down. Cleveland 0-for-1. Total amount of plays. Baltimore had 84 first down plays to Cleveland 76. They had a total of 416 yards of total offense. Cleveland did to Baltimore's 4-10. They had 304 through the air. 112 on the ground for Cleveland. 294 in the air for Baltimore. 116 on the ground for Baltimore. 4 penalties for 41 yards. Cleveland 10 penalties for 66 yards. 
Baltimore turned over the ball two times. Excuse me. Yeah, two times in the game. One time for the Browns. So the Browns getting a win. Their second win of the year. Four more till they get to six. So dilly dilly, my friends. You don't have to open the fridge. It's already open. So there's that for you. Other scores in the NFL. Buffalo was a winner 13-12 or Tennessee. Ball, uh, Pittsburgh getting a big win against Atlanta 41-17. The Jets beating up on the Broncos 34-16. How about the Jaguars losing to Kansas City? And Kansas City a perfect 5-0. They are thir- with their 30-14 win over the Jaguars. Carolina coming from behind and a 63-yard field goal. Wins it for the Panthers at home as they win 33-31 over the New York football Giants. Miami loses to Cincinnati 27-17. The Raiders lose to the Chargers 26-10. It was Arizona, the winner, 28-18 over San Francisco. The rematch of the NFC Championship game sees Minnesota beating up Philadelphia 23-21. The Rams, the winner, 33-31 over the Seattle Seahawks. And in overtime last night, it was Houston, the winner, 19-16 over the Dallas Cowboys. Tonight, it will be the Washington Football Club taking on the New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees going for the record for the most passes by uh, all-time, beating Peyton Manning, and he is 298 yards away from that. And he is also 200, he's uh, three touchdowns away from the all-time, tying Brett Favre for the second most all-time touchdown receptions. As you are listening to all Andy offer tonight, uh, Quick note to pass along for you on that. The Thursday night game sees the Giants taking on the Eagles. This upcoming Thursday, I will take the Giants in that game. We won't be back on the air until Friday, so that is my prediction for that for that game, to pass that along to you as well. So, like I said, you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Now. However you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And, unfortunately, we have to talk about this. The Cleveland Indians have been officially eliminated, and they are 0-3 in playoff baseball. So we were doing the Facebook Live show last Friday, and... Cleveland was playing Houston, and Kluber getting rocked in the game by the the Astros, and the Astros getting the win seven to four, seven to two actually over the Indians. Verlander the win he goes to one and zero with a three point three eight ERA. Kluber the loss he goes to zero one with a seven point seven one ERA. Bregman, Springer, Altuve, and Maldonado all homering in that game. Get to Saturday and Cookie Carrasco having a good outing, but then he gets rocked. Timely hitting killed the Indians in this one as Garrett Cole shuts down the tribe. Frankie Lindor homered in the game, but Cole getting the shutdown win as he gets the 1 0 win as they went 3 1. He's now 1 0 with a 1.29 ERA. Cookie, the loss, he goes to 0 1 with a 3.38 ERA. Bregman, his second of the season. And then we had today. And it was just an onslaught today. George Springer, two dingers in the game. And Carrera also homering in the game. Lindor getting his second of the year. But it was just not enough as the Lindman Brooms sweep the Tribe out of the playoffs with an 11-3 win. It was. McGraw, the win 1-0 with a 0 ERA. Bauer, the loss, he goes to 0-1 with a 6.75 ERA. 
as Houston sweeps the Tribe. And I'm just going to say this straight out. They should have not have messed with the lineup. They shouldn't have not have messed with the lineup. They should not have taken Kipnis off the of second base and moved him out in the outfield. They shouldn't have done that, first of all, to bring back Donaldson. And Donaldson screwed Cleveland out of this. You messed up a good routine. You messed up a good chance to win and, and, and win. And it's been like this for a long time. You know, this is the second straight year, excuse me, the third year that they get into the playoffs and they fold under pressure. World Series, lose in Game 7. Last year, lose in Game 5 to the Yankees. This year, being swept by the Astros. They need some hard, they need to do some hard looking. And the bullpen is what they need. The bullpen is extremely what they need. They didn't need Donaldson. They didn't need they didn't need any key pieces. They needed bullpen help. And what did Shapiro do? He went out and got a big bat. And I don't understand why the hell he did that. It didn't pay off in the end, did it? It did not. It did not pay off in the end. And again, I say it. You know, Kipnis had a great series. He was he was timely in some of the hits, but he was also timely, more timely in the outfield. Making 95% of the plays. And I just don't understand why in God's name would I I, I just it, this team was built to win. But they ran into the Astros. You get you win all these games and you do so well. You win the division. And that shows you how pathetic the division is when you get swept by the defending champions. And didn't even show up. They really didn't even show up at all. It's embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. That ends the season, and Houston sweeps. And now they wait for the winner of the Yankees-Boston series. This series is tied at one apiece. That game tonight, 7:30 on TBS. How about the Dodgers playing the Braves and Acuna last night, hitting that grand slam, getting the win for the Braves. But right now they're in they're in trouble right now. Braves. Three outs away from being eliminated from the playoffs right now and as we speak. So, uh, and Milwaukee sweeping the, the Rockies. So it could set up to be the Dodgers taking on the Brewers. We could have a rematch of last year's World Series. Plain and simple, we could have a rematch of last year's World Series. We'll see. We will see what happens. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, bottom of the ninth inning right now. Dodgers are up on the Braves. As you're listening to all Andy Offer right here tonight on this special Monday evening edition of the program. Uh, you're listening to me on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And I want to make mention of this for uh, my friend Steve Pepper Rocky wrote this in. Rock, 
The A's 0-1 in the playoffs. The Indians 0-3 in the playoffs. True that. True that, Steve. Let's hit to the ice. And after a long, lengthy delay on Friday night, over a 12-minute delay for lighting issues, we had the home opener for the Blue Jackets. The Jackets took on the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Hurricanes getting the better of the Jackets as they beat the Jackets in their home opener 3-1. to Mart took Alho and Furland all scoring for Carolina their first, and Brandon Dubitsky getting the goal for the Jackets. But now, today, finding out Dubitsky, oblique muscle tor- uh, strain, oblique muscle, he is out four to six weeks, and that's not going to help the offensive front, especially going forward. Jackets have a big game upcoming this Tuesday against Colorado, and this is a key piece that they can't have out. And Bobrovsky stopping 32 of 35, his save percentage of .914. Curtis McElhaney, the former Blue Jacket and former Toronto Maple Leaf, now Carolina Hurricane, getting the win. He gets he stopped 31 of 32, a save percentage of a .969. Carolina had 35 shots on net to Columbus's 32. Columbus led in the faceoff department 54 to 54% to 46%. Both teams 0 for on the power play. Carolina 0 for 1. Columbus 0 for 3 in the game. Six penalty minutes for Carolina to Columbus's two. Columbus was out hit by Carolina 17 to 10 on Sunday after Sunday evening. It was the Rangers a loser to Carolina 8 to 5. Toronto getting the win in overtime. Jonathan Tavares the hat trick and the game winner 7 to 6 over the Colorado, over the Chicago Chicago Blackhawks and the Kings were winner 4 to 2 over the Detroit Red Wings tonight it will be the Wings taking on the Anaheim Ducks at 10 o'clock but games happening today in May, in the NHL because it is Thanksgiving in Canada and by the way happy Thanksgiving to all the Canadian listeners out there Boston was a winner 6 to 3 over the Ottawa Senators the Islanders a 4 nothing win over the San Jose Sharks and the Buffalo Sabres were a winner 4 to 2 over the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Tonight on the do- tomorrow on the docket Columbus is home to play Colorado. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. Toronto is at Dallas. The Kings are in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. Philadelphia is at home to play the San Jose Sharks. Vancouver is in Carolina and Calgary is in Nashville. Wednesday night rivalry will be the Las Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Washington Capitals a rematch of last year's Stanley Cup playoff. Phoenix is in Anaheim, and Philadelphia is in Ottawa to take on the Senators. So we'll see what happens with that. It's also good to see uh, my friend Bobby Mack doing his show back, CBJ and 30. If you want to listen to more Blue Jacket coverage, CBJ and 30, download that podcast on your Apple and Google Podcasts as well. So, good listen to if you want more in-depth analysis on the Jackets. And I, I give you my analysis, but it's he's got more of the audio and more of the hands-on with the players. So, I, I definitely would listen to that. One of my favorite podcasts out there to listen to when I am either getting ready for the game or if I'm just trying to catch up on the Jackets and see what happens. So, we'll see what happens. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me tonight, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And now we've come to the end of the program this evening, and it is time 
for Andy Rance. So f- Saturday, I've had a busy sports weekend. Of course, you met, you saw the show Friday. I was in Detroit on Thursday evening to see the Jackets open up a open, home opener against the, the, ro- the season opener against the Red Wings. I was at the bar Friday night to see the Jackets play the Carolina Hurricanes. Saw that game and the loss, to say the least. And we get to Saturday, and it was BGUT. And now, BGUT is one of the biggest rivalries out there. And uh, I loved it how the uh, how the University of Toledo set it up. Um, and I like how they set up everything out there. Um, found a good place to park right there in the engineering building, right next to the engineering building. Uh, walked over across Douglas into Rocket into the Rocket Center, right down st- to Stadium Drive. Got a nice cookie, enjoyed it, and um, walked through. There's not that much to do in Stadium Live Drive. There's a food tent and a beer tent. And then there's like the, some of the radio stations and stuff like that. And then you got food trucks. How they've been talking about it on like on the radio and TV, I thought it would be like a bigger thing. And it really wasn't. So that's kind of a disappointing statement for the University of Toledo. I hope that they can fix that. I know this is the first year for it. But I think that they should really, really improve on that a little bit more. Especially for a big rivalry game that this was. To see that happen would be tremendous. So I, I walked through there, and then I walked over to the uh, lot ten, where all excuse me, or lot ten, or lot eleven, right behind where the glass bowl's at. And I front, ran into my friend Tom, and his tailgate um, had a good discussion with him. Had a uh, sausage sandwich, absolutely delicious. Tom, you gotta give me that recipe for that. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, we we had discussions there about about the game and about sports and stuff like that. Had a great time. That's when Lucas met up with me. We went into the stadium, watched a little bit of pregame warm-ups. Uh, the UT marching band was out on the field. Uh, I got the chance to listen to them, hear their alma mater, and you know. And I saw, I noticed Bowling Green travel the marching band with them up to the glass bowl, and that's what, usually that's what happens every year. BGUT they travel, both bands travel. They have a big tuba race as well. They did that as well. And um, so I get to this. Okay. So the UT band comes on the field. The, the players come out. The smoking tunnel and everything. Like that. They go down the end zone. And the, the student section is right there. The launch pad is right there. Section 11. I was in section 9. So I was two sections over from the student section. And I'm going to say this. The students of the University of Toledo are some of the nastiest and rudest people I have ever met in my entire life. UT students have no respect for this rivalry and no respect for the school. When I went to BG, you know, I respect every university, no matter what it is, whether it be NIU, whether it be Ohio State, whether it be, you know, Boise State, whether it B, you know, San Jose State. I respect any team that came into the building. You know, respect them all the way. And I know it's a rivalry game. I know it's a big game. And a lot of the kids were getting their first taste of it. But the players would go down to the end of the end zone. 
they would pray like they would like usually you see at the Notre Dame games. They go down and pray, and they you know, they hope that the players you know and the and, uh, hope for a good game and stuff like that. But the UT student section was shouting the F word BG. F word BG and chanting it over and over again. The whole section. And the players were egging him on. Getting him to say it louder and louder and louder and louder and louder. And I was just, oh. I just couldn't. I couldn't take it. That is not respectful. In my, you know, in my field, I, I, that, that is just a slap in the face. And some of the t-shirts I saw were absolutely atrocious. The only clean one that I saw is like, I, you know, all good, there's uh, plenty of good Falcons in the area. Good, There's plenty of good Falcons. I just don't like the ones that go to BG. Um, something on the lines of, you could stick this rocket somewhere. Yeah. I didn't like any of the t-shirts. I didn't like any of the the banter between the fans. You know, it was respected. And, you know, one thing that I hate now in college football, and especially in the stadiums, is they're selling beer. It's the worst thing they have ever done in my entire, I have ever seen in my entire life. You never need to have beer. You're drinking out in the tailgate lots. Why in the God's name do you need to drink again inside the stadium? I'll say this too. The concessions at UT are a tad better than they are at at, at BG. Re- reasonably priced at at UT than it is at Bowling Green. But I will admit, $7 for a slice of Geno's pizza, that's a little outrageous. Jets pizza, a sli- box of Jets pizza was only 5 bucks at at BG. And you got a full deep, almost like a full-size deep dish pizza. It's That's ridiculous. For just a slice that you can probably get for like $2, you're charging $7. It's absolutely ridiculous. So again, I say this. Let's be more respectful with this rivalry. And know, I know now that UT is now 40-39-4 in front of this in this rivalry, but let's just be respectful of this whole rivalry situation. Sure, UT gets a full year of bragging rights and stuff like that, but remember, we've got basketball, the basketball teams, and the baseball teams upcoming. And then next year, you're going to have the hockey teams in full swing because the University of Toledo will get a Division One college hockey team that will be playing. So hopefully maybe we will get a rivalry game between University of Toledo and Bowling Green and hockey. Someday. But we'll see. We'll see. So to the you to the BG to the and to the U, BG students that made the track up there, I commend you for that. Absolutely commend you for that. And a lot of the alumni and a lot of the fans that went to the game including myself, you know, and they were sprinkled all throughout the stadium. I tremendously applaud you for coming out and supporting your university that you went to, that you that you grew up rooting for, and you were watching all, and you went to. I totally support you for that. I tremendously give you respect for that. But to the UT fans that were badgering and beating down and yelling and screaming like that, you should be shameful on that. You should be absolutely shameful for that. It's about as bad as saying hit somebody during the national anthem. Absolutely shameful. Shameful. But that's Andy Rance tonight. We'll be back on the air on Friday for our Falcon Friday Homecoming edition 
of the program. So looking forward to that uh, this upcoming Friday. Uh, like I said, this show was scheduled to be Tuesday, but we have a prior commitment. I have actually a prior commitment tomorrow night. So uh, we're doing the show tonight here on Monday night. So uh, I, got, I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Uh, we'll be back, like I said, on the air Friday night for a Falcon Friday homecoming edition of the program. A lot to talk about. Uh, we'll re- preview the BG Western Michigan game, the UT Eastern Michigan game, as well as the, as well as a few other things to dive into. And we'll also talk about the Jackets as well as the preview for the AL and NLCS. So hopefully... We'll have a uh, good playoff series, and you'll hear the predictions for this upcoming week. But that is all for Andy Alford, all Andy Alford tonight. I hope you enjoyed enjoyed this program. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button. We do shows every Tuesday and Friday, but tonight, of course, we're doing the Monday Monday night show here on the program. So until I talk to you on Friday on Facebook Live, as well as on the Anchor Network. I'm Andy Alford. I hope you enjoy the rest of the evening. And, as always, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, the the Tigers, the Indians, the Walleye, the Blue Jackets. Go Jackets! Go Falcons. Go Buckeyes. Go Lions and go Browns. How about that? Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great weekend. Great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. On, on Not Monday. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. For another edition of All Andy Alford. I leave you now with the UT Fight Song yet again. Sung by yours truly. You of Toledo will fight for you. You of Toledo, we love gold and blue. Man of the varsity, the enemy must yield. We'll fight just like our ancestors and march right down the field. I'll talk to you guys on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition of the program. And like I said, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Especially how bad Bowling Green is. This has been a presentation of the Anchor Network. Powered by Anchor. You of Toledo will fight for you. Fight, fight, fight. You of Toledo, we love gold and blue. Let's go, blue men of the varsity. The enemy must yield. We'll fight just like our ancestors and march right down the field. Oh, Toledo! Talk to you guys on Friday. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor.